0: Ladies and gentlemen, in introducing my original invention, the water torture cell, although there is nothing supernatural about it, I am willing to profit the sum of $1,000 to anyone who can prove that it is possible to obtain air inside of the tortoise cell when I'm locked up in it in the regulation manner after it has been filled with water. Should anything go wrong when I'm locked up, one of my assistants... What to the curtains, ready to rush in, demolishing the grass, allowing the water to flow out in order to save my life. Harry Houdini, October the 29th, 1914, Flatbridge, New York. America for 300 years has been the land of promise for the rest of the world, the land of new frontiers. New Opportunities.
1: Hey, we clicking sounds. Sounds that reveal the presence of radioactive rays. The instruments.
2: And welcome to Tank Riot. This is episode 99, where we cover the life and times of one Scotty Nation classic, Harry Houdini. I am Sputnik. With me as always, of course, is Victor. Hello. And Tor. Hello. But first, okay, I think we got to say something about this this gentleman, this creature in in Florida.
3: Haven't people said enough about that creature in Florida? (laughs) Florida,
2: America's penis. (laughs) You, you know the one I'm talking about, right, Tom? Uh,
4: yes, I do. Burn it's, it's like on all the news channels, all the radio <laughs> oh, talk shows. Geez. My question is: Has the Flat Earth Society taken over American <laughs> politics? I, it really has. And what's weird is is that they keep saying, "Oh, well, the polls show you know the
2: Teabaggers are you know moving everything to the right." The Republican Party is an absolute shambles. I mean, they're they're just. Yeah, You know, it's such extremists now. I mean, even more so than the Bush administration, at least you could say there were neocons. Now you just have the teabaggers saying, we're, well, you know, what I want is a smaller, more efficient government, not to mention the gubernatorial races here in Scotty Nation. Oh, my God. Yeah. Every douchebag in the bloody Fox Valley is coming out of the woodwork. I just think that the media
3: should have taken a, a class on the interwebs and... Learn to not feed the trolls because oh my that is exactly what they're doing with this guy. Is like oh. giving yeah. him yeah the the full treatment.
2: Well, I mean, it's it's the, the whole thing is every time nine eleven comes around okay we're we're, we're going to get the, the, the you know truth nine one one is going to be out there in full force. So you know, grab your copies of Loose Change mm-hmm. Part Twenty Seven and yeah. Burn a Koran, because that certainly will solve everything. Now, if they if they yeah. arrange what the Korans Jesus do? in the
3: face of Muhammad and then burn <laughs> what them, what would Jesus do? So tomorrow? <laughs> as
2: <laughs> offensive as they could get. Well, the, this yeah. this uh, pastor said, "No, I, I don't think that uh, Jesus would burn books, but I think he'd burn this one." Like, <laughs> wow! Well, now, there's a quotable quote. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm just riffing here. But. Look, it's 9-11. eleven. I'm sure that you know you're going to have the usual. Shouting matches between, you know, people trying to, you know, grieve or remember. And of course, you know, Truth911. And uh, it's that's yeah. bad enough. But it's focused in New York, as is the issue with the mosque, which is over two miles away, community center. Two blocks, I think. Is it? I don't know. Well, I think blocks but... are measured in miles in New York, aren't they? <laughs> Those are long, I, don't know, lots. I don't know. Well, exactly. somebody New, York, New Yorker, let us know. <laughs> yeah, we're on the hotline. Please call us at one eight hundred. But we <laughs> yeah. measure them in milk crates here in Scotty Nation. <laughs> That's right. <crazy. laughs> <laughs> yeah, we use we measure them with our empties. <laughs> so uh, I I plowed uh, myself and Mrs. Sputnik plowed through season four of Dexter. Fabulous. John Lithgow, two big thumbs up. I went out and bought myself a 24-ounce twenty-four, inch fr- 24 ounce framing hammer. I was so excited. <laughs> and anyone who's seen it says he's in a Dexter will know exactly what I mean. So All I'm right. not going to explain it further.
3: <laughs> I've been catching up with Warren the Ape. War in the Ape. And the, the season finale with Corey Feldman, which was fantastic. <laughs> the and War in the Ape rock opera. <laughs> it, it made me continue loving Corey Feldman because I... It's true. I've always loved that <laughs> the dude. The surviving Corey. The surviving Corey. Yeah, when Corey Haim died, I, I thought for sure they, they just misspoke and it was Feldman. You know, Well, yeah, no, I mean, Haim. he
2: was the one that seemed to be going on that spot. Yeah. yeah, living hard, exactly. Breaking Bonaduce <laughs> a little bit.
3: Bonaduce. <laughs> oh. God. <laughs> <clears throat> but yeah, it's, I, I, I really don't have a, a lot of other things going on But I have been using the state's uh, socialist parks And the county socialist parks Wow and, yeah, Probably built by Even some of the city socialist parks And really enjoying them So
2: it's... Were they built by Frank and Delano Roosevelt's <laughs> CCC The very heart of Marxism Yeah, yeah Hippie? it... Damn hippies, tree huggers Shouldn't this been... land
4: be uh, sold and subdivided so the free market can uh, establish who gets to use it? Sure. Oh yeah, just yeah. just like the
2: the place that could have become a park here in in Tropical Madison is it's going to become a Tar-Jay. That's kind of like a park. Oh yeah. Well, oh, you you guys one. don't get up to that area of town, but they have literally raised that whole hill mm-hmm. and just they're just building this huge monstrosity. So if you think the construction's bad? It is going to suck forever. It's going to be like the Berlin Wall.
4: It's going to be the Taj Mahals, the Tarzans. <laughs> <Yeah>. Tar- <laughs> yeah. <but> unless they have <laughs> like four
2: lanes to that
3: that drive, yeah, yeah. it's going to be. I'm not sure how you're going to do that. Yeah, it'll be a mess. <laughs> Maybe <laughs> so. they'll
4: use flying buttresses. <laughs>
2: <laughs> what do you mean,
4: so? Somewhat like Notre Dame. Yeah, I don't know. I'm just <laughs> speculating here.
2: but All of our Greek cathedrals and our Targets are built using Yeah, buzzers. I'm not an architect,
3: but I've looked at a lot of buildings.
4: <laughs> yeah. I
3: know what I like.
4: For those of I you like who are not familiar buddies. with Wisconsin French, uh, Target is uh, another pronunciation of uh, Target. Yep. The, Which is a the store for discount, those of you in disc- Australia. Discount retailer.
2: Yeah. yeah. But we digress. <laughs> <laughs> Cheap Chinese crap. Yeah, <laughs> Skip the middle, man. That's right. Get right to it. <laughs> mm-hmm. Let's build up brick a little bit more. Brazil, Russia, India, China.
0: It'll no longer be the American
2: century. What will we do now? I'm putting on my teabag hat right now. They're going to guard Yeah.
4: Uh, <laughs> All the right-wingers gave away our jobs already. Yeah. That's... I mean, and you're finally noticing. I mean, come on, teabaggers. Yeah. <laughs> Don't use, don't
3: use logic or reason, Tor. No, it's just it's, it'll just make them angry. It'll just piss them off. Stop with your words. Oh, you know, I do have one one thing that I've been doing lately. Way too much of is playing Plants vs Zombies on the iPhone. Oh, God. Have you heard of this game? <laughs> yes. Oh my God, is it fun? <laughs> For you know, I'm just flashing back to a zombie episode. But this is a hilarious tower defense game featuring zombies, and you plant plants in your yard to defend your house from the zombie invasion mm. and the plants attack. It's hilarious. It's really, really funny. I actually I solved the game already because I just <laughs> wouldn't put it down until <laughs> I finished it. My hand was cramping from holding it. I, I seriously, yeah, my, my battery's uh, not oh. doing that well anymore, but oh, wow. I, I'm sorry I waited so long to buy that game. <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, gentlemen, shall we move in enough of this fall to and let's move right into Scotty Nations, Harry Houdini. Born and bred in Appleton, right?
5: Not quite. That's by way what of Hungarian would yeah. have you believe. <laughs> Eric
2: Weiss. Eric Weiss. Yes, he was born, Eric Weiss, in Budapest, Hungary. Eric Weiss. Ivan. Eric Ivan. Weiss. By yeah. Weiss, yes. Yeah. In, in uh, Budapest, Hungary in 1874. But from about 1907 on, Harry Houdini would claim that he was, in fact, born in Appleton, Wisconsin in 1874. In fact, his uh, father was a rabbi Mm -hmm. and he was asked to or brought over to Appleton. (laughs) Yeah, because there's such a giant population. Jewish population in in Appleton. Yeah. Yeah. Appleton now is famous for being the home of the John Birch Society, Mm -hmm. which, if you know, I'll save you the keyword Googling. It's just, it's so John Birch was, I I think, like a missionary in China. That got killed mm-hmm. in 1945, 1946, and he's considered like the first death of the Cold War. So they're the ones that are always worrying about the Trilateral Commission and the Bilderbergers. And, anyways, they're all based uh, in in Appleton. When I was in Boston once, and they they were having this right wing rally, and they had all these uh, Chachki stands set up. And of course, you know, I went there like a bullet. Mm-hmm. You know, so they had nuns selling like little plastic fetuses. Which I bought and I put in my luggage and caused a problem in the airport. And... I mean, it wasn't like it was life size or anything, but it was like, "Sir, can you explain this?" And he showed me the picture, and it's like, "No, I really can." It looks like my Samsonite is gestating, but it's not. But anyways, they had well, the... our favorite
3: McCarthy is from the Appleton area. Yes, Joe. That's right.
2: Well, yep. close to he was from Grand Chute, but that's you know like a hop, skip, and a jump and a few shoot. empties away. The poop shoot. The poop shoot. Yeah. The grand and the little. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well,
3: but but there are some Houdini landmarks up there still to this day because they were there for that period of time. But but apparently he was not a very good rabbi for Appleton because he didn't speak English and they really uh, didn't. Maybe he wasn't a good preacher, but I don't think a lot of people understood what he was really saying. So
2: right, right. (laughs) I mean, yeah. Unless you you were Jewish and Hungarian, it was yeah, it was going to be a problem or Yiddish. I mean, it was probably Yiddish was very commonly used at mm-hmm. that time too. But yeah,
4: I, I'm I, I'm not Jewish, but I, I assume, at, especially at that time, they would uh, have their services in Hebrew. Yes. So, so yes, he probably had a Hungarian uh, accented uh, Hebrew and trying to speak to the.
2: It was difficult,
3: the, I'm Wisconsin uh, sure. Yeah, because, I mean, it's... Type it's Hebrew, yeah, yeah, so who
4: knows? I, I don't know anything about it, but... But they, yeah. they,
3: they kind of ushered him out, basically, after a period and found someone mm-hmm. more to their taste.
2: Well, the the few surviving audio recordings of Harry Houdini, his... his Uh, speech is very heavily accented. I hope it's like, Count Blah. Count Blah. (laughs) I'm Count Blah.
5: Blah. (laughs) Well, maybe you
2: shouldn't piss away your rent money, blah.
3: (laughs) I just would love to hear the original Harry Houdini audio. That'd be so cool. Oh,
2: yeah. It would be. Because, I mean, there's, like, some people... Well, I mean, for instance, there there are still audio recordings of Harpo Marx, you know, of course, you never spoke. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. And he had a very, very thick Brooklyn accent. Which is so funny. That's cool. Because he hung around in these very literary circles, hmm. and he was he was actually part of the Algonquin Round Table. Right. You know, yeah. he was this guy who just had this. You know,
4: right. <laughs> <Yeah>. So anyway, <laughs> after his dad left Appleton, yes, he was moved on to New York. But before yes. we leave Appleton, in Appleton there is a Harry Houdini Museum. Mm-hmm. It's uh, part of their museum, which also has other items such as a. Big bronze uh, bust of uh, Joe McCarthy. Mm. <laughs> Gosh, thank you so is, much. And and, uh, and I have in my hand. And uh, Appleton is uh, a paper making town, so they have paper industry. Oh, that's stuff. where all the paper
2: mills are. Plus, I believe Appleton is the
4: home of the Ditch Witch. Conveniently, toilet paper and oh, yeah. Joe McCarthy come yeah. from right. Yeah. Movers. They make right. a lot of toilet paper in Appleton. Right.
2: <laughs> which mm-hmm. you know, if you listen to the Birchers or any which period, which, then... which we all appreciate. Yeah, yeah I mean, look you couldn't get by without it. It's not like Demolition Man where they use the three shells, which I never explained. And it is beautiful up there. We go up there for
3: the—the the Air Museum is up there and yes. Oshkosh. Oh, yeah. yeah. Air yeah. Museum, beautiful the big area. Flying mm-hmm. every yeah. August. There's it's, this it's football really nice. theme up there called the Packers. Oh, geez. Oh, geez. Yeah, yeah.
4: But, yeah. but get this— their museum, which really the main part is the Harry Houdini stuff, and they have a few artic- artifacts as some of his picks and handcuffs and, and that kind of thing. Oh very um, but it is in a old Shriner or, or Masonic Temple. <laughs> oh, <laughs> this place is, is just, just I nice. think Dan yeah. Brown
3: should set a novel in Appleton. <laughs> oh, he should yeah. start there yeah. and work outward. I mean you yeah. wouldn't even have to go the, very far. The Houdini code. But you know, one thing that I meant that we didn't even mention, which is kind of fun, is that you know, we didn't I don't even think even mention why we're talking about Harry Houdini or why he's important, because we just assume that everybody in the world knows Harry Houdini is this great magician escapologist.
0: But right. a lot of yeah. kids
3: don't know. And that's true. I turned to the Viking Princess, who I've never talked about Harry Houdini mm-hmm. before, too. And I said, when I say the word Houdini, what do you think of? I said, "Do you know, Houdini? No. Well, what do you think of when I say Houdini? Magic. It's just, it's just right there for there kids. Go. Yeah. Even yeah. if they have no idea who he is, that name is so associated with magic. Yeah.
2: I mean, you've all heard it was like, "Well, how are you going to get out of this one, Houdini? You're going to pull Houdini? <laughs> yeah,
4: yeah. Turn into some kind of vapor? <laughs> hey, just draw it out for me in a piece of paper, Leonardo, goddamn Da Vinci. Exactly. <laughs> it's amazing what's what kids learn, and I think a lot of it is a lot of those cultural things are built into all the cartoons they watch. Right, right. You know, so there must be yeah. there's references abounding. Yeah, and pop culture and everywhere. yeah, and he's
3: all over the pop culture. But we thought it'd be fun to talk about him like in a more historical way and, and kind of yeah, even even I you know was really into Houdini, but more on the fringe. You you knew about some of his famous things, but you, I never really thought, well, where's this guy from, and why did he get into? Oh, this? that's right.
2: Mm-hmm. And he was he was really amazing on a, for a variety of different reasons. I mean, one, these tricks are very difficult to duplicate. Um, he was in superb uh, physical condition when he yeah. when he did these, and in fact, even in, from his early life, he was he was in uh, very uh, good condition. Oh, we we should mention that his father was the rabbi of the Zion Reform Jewish congregation in so they, Appleton, th- right? So they yep. were they were Reform of the Reform school of Judaism.
4: So they were not Orthodox. No, Orthodox yeah.
2: conservative. They were Reform. Yep. Okay.
3: So, Got and yeah, he had four brothers. I mean, it's a big family.
2: Um, I think it actually wasn't – uh, actually, yeah, there were se- seven children, wasn't it? Eventually. Yeah, yeah. yeah eventually. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> when Houdini was
3: on the scene. Right, but when he was younger. Um, yeah, so – and his mother also didn't speak English either, so he spoke uh, – he
2: didn't speak English with her at all. So. His first words on being born, ta-da. <laughs> <laughs> okay that just had to be said it's an old one it's got whiskers but come on
3: nice but and then the whole Harry Houdini thing you know when he decided that he was going to get into this kind of thing he ended up uh he ended up in New York City with his with his dad when the mother was still in Appleton and they were trying to find work they're trying to you know piece a life together basically mm-hmm. and he ended up on a street corner right and then he had this sign that he put on the hat on Christmas time Right I, I forget what the saying is, of course, off the top of my head now, but um was something about the gooses getting fat, put a you know penny in the paperboy's hat, and he, yeah. he got all these coins and everything, but you know he ended up he ended up running away and joining the circus, basically
2: right well he you know even as a child, he was a champion cross country runner um he'd had a a a a public debut when he was nine years old as a trapeze artist calling himself Eric, the Prince of the Air. <laughs> so, I mean, you know, he was in really good shape and a real you know, oh, yeah. kind of go-getter, a real performer. Well, you know,
3: he was trying to do this thing called, uh, what is the trick called, the, the tight grip trick where you, you bite down on this lock thing and, right. and you swing by your teeth, basically. Mm-hmm. And he thought that the whole thing was done by actually holding on with your teeth rather than the way the thing is connected to your mouth itself, and he lost several teeth of his front front teeth doing that trick until he figured it out. And and then he had this bridge always in his mouth, and a Mm -hmm. lot of speculation is that he would hide keys in there and things like that. Sure. So... You know, and you knew this guy was extremely resourceful.
2: Well, Bess used oh, to yeah. pass him the key when they would kiss before right. for good luck. And, well, that, and that's
3: all speculated. That's yeah. all
2: speculated. But there, there was a great album cover uh, by Kate Bush where she's like, going to kiss this guy. And it, it's sort of like in the sepia tone. And then you can see this bright gold key on her tongue.
5: <laughs> it was,
2: I just had to throw that one in for weird Houdini trivia. That wow. is, a, that is yeah. a weird reference. Here yeah, here, yeah, he would...
4: Well, at least it's believed, and they they seem to uh, present that case at the Houdini Museum, is Mm -hmm. that he would hide picks and keys everywhere on his body and in his clothes and anywhere he could. We're we're getting a little ahead,
3: but he had these bags of keys, and they were numbered bags, and he wouldn't tell anyone what was in those bags. Right. But he knew which bag to go to for which keys he needed for which types of handcuffs. This guy— yeah studied locks and keys and he knew the tumblers. He knew how they worked. He knew when he saw a pair of handcuffs, which key he was going to need. And,
2: Handcuffs, locks, safes. Mm-hmm. They're you know, he knew yeah. he knew them as well as the designers. But at first he was more mm-hmm. like a parlor
3: magician. So right. he wasn't this big escapologist in the beginning. He was like a dime store kind of theater circus performer and he yeah, hung is, out he, with
2: the free This is pre vaudeville.
3: Yeah, he was in the yeah. sideshow yeah. and he was doing those kind of performances and he really got to know the real people who were doing
2: those those sideshows. But when we should mention, though, that that he took the name Houdini because, right. when he became a professional magician, he was very heavily influenced by a French magician named uh, Jean Eugene Robert Houdin, and his friend Jack Heyman told him that, oh, if you can add an I to it, it means like Houdin, so he called himself Houdini.
3: Mm-hmm. And Robert Houdin mm. is is a really great magician. He's probably the father of modern magic because he's the guy who. Had magicians stop wearing uh, Merlin the Wizard hats and doing right. all these robes and gowns. He dressed in a contemporary style for his day, and he was a watchmaker, and he knew how to make these automatons, and he knew how to make things that would do tricks uh, that that seemed magical to people at the time. And oh, this yeah. is exactly how a lot of things were done now, but mm-hmm. he had this one called the Orange Tree. He would take items from people in the audience, and he would put them on this tree, and then he would wave his wand, and and the tree would start moving, and then oranges would blossom. And then he would take real oranges. They weren't balloons that were being inflated, but the the tree would open up in such a way that these oranges would look like they were blossoming on the tree. And then he'd pluck them from the tree and throw them at the audience so they could eat them and prove that they were real. And then the top one would be the items that he got from people that would just crack open, and the items would be in there. So – I mean, the orange tree is a, just a famous one of his, and he's done so many others. And I think Houdini really looked up to him and right. eventually had this kind of falling out with with him in his mind. Because Houdini was born after, uh, I think, Robert Houdin died, and I believe he tried to meet his widow and re- was rebuffed, but we can get to that Sure. Later on, but I love Robert Houdin. I think anyone interested in magic should look into him a little bit because oh yes, very interesting guy. He's the one who basically invented parlor magic because he rented a room, and was a failure at first, but tried to invite people off the street where magic was being performed and into a room, into where real people live and and sure. put on a show on a stage in this room. And horrible failure at first, but eventually became really well known for oh, for yeah. bringing some kind of um, reality. To, to magic, rather than just street busking. That's true. I mean, now we've got... Yeah,
2: busking. There, yeah. There's, there's a term you don't hear over here <laughs> exactly. in the colonies all that <laughs> spanging, <laughs> spanging. Oh, and also he took his name, he said later on that he took the name Harry from oh, right. another person, Harry Keller, who he greatly admired as well. But also as a so. kid, his
3: nickname was Ari for Eric, and I think his mo- mother called him Ari. So it's kind of a Harry, Ari, you know, That's very right. easy, easy transition to very true. Harry
2: Houdini. So... One, um, initially, Houdini's magic career wasn't super successful. um, You know, he he just, like you said, he just did sort of dime music, uh, museums and sideshows and even was like the wild man or the geek at a circus. Mm-hmm. So, Gabba Gabba, one of us. <laughs> yeah, he's one of us.
5: <laughs> he's the one kind of, of man.
2: Us. He's the Boston Batwanger. <laughs> he did card tricks and, you know, traditional card tricks, and he called himself the king of cards and then began kind of experimenting with escape acts. Right. So then uh in a- 1893 he was uh performing with his brother Dash I love dash <laughs> Hardine
3: dash Hardine. Now they became partners and rivals. I mean these guys were yeah. both big into magic the whole these were the two brothers that were That's true. really into it.
2: So they were performing at Cody Island as the Houdini brothers. Um Harry met um a fellow performer Wilhelmina Beatrice Bass Ronner whom he married, and Bess was like a dancer. Yes, and
3: they got married after like twenty-one days. Yeah, I mean, that's got to be a whirlwind romance, right there.
2: Oh yeah, yeah. So yeah. so, so be- Bess essentially then replaced Dash, mm-hmm. and and it just became the Houdinis.
3: Yeah, because he, you need to have a woman in that uh, at the time to do the right all the David Copperfield secondary poses and well, like like one of his big things was the metamorphosis where you. Uh, Houdini would tie himself up in a sack and go into a trunk, and then lift up a curtain, and then he would be the one who would lower the curtain and open up the trunk, and the assistant would be in the trunk. Mm-hmm. Really great trick, and it worked much yep. better with Bess.
2: Well, well, Bess was his his stage assistant, you know, throughout his career. Yep.
4: And but speaking about metamorphosis, they have uh, that trick the, beetle. The, <laughs> the, they have uh, that trick at the Appleton Houdini Museum. Awesome. And they let the kids, they have the trick box and they let the kids actually do the trick. Oh, um, how cool is that? They, they don't have the part where you tied up inside a bag though. Right. You just, a you, little bit, <laughs> <laughs> it's a air,
3: airtight bag, <laughs> airtight seal on that kid. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Especially no, you, the rowdy one. you ones. just
4: go in this big wooden box and my, my son almost broke his arm off re- <laughs> reaching up to pull the box <laughs> shut with like slam shut, oh, but he's okay. And, uh, But yeah, they get to do the little trick and then there's a little trap door on the side and... You know, and they, there's a little stage set up so they can do it for an audience. <laughs> Towards you and your son of Odin. <laughs> yeah.
3: Remember that Brady it's Bunch cool. where Peter disappeared on Cindy? Was it Peter yes. who did it to her? Yes, And oh, then yeah. she was scared to death of being Bobby's assistant because oh, uh, she was afraid she was going to get disappeared and never come back. Just like, can you carry all?
5: Oh,
4: yeah. <laughs> oh, my gosh. So that that's, that's one of the main attractions at the Unity Museum.
2: I think I don't know that women were uh, traditionally stage assistants. Right. Though. I think it was generally just men who did it. Okay. So I think Bess was kind of like one of the first or, you know, that they said, oh, mm-hmm. well, you know, and, you know, wearing kind of more of a revealing outfit and doing the hand, you know, the right. hand, yeah. Carol Merrill hand gestures. And
5: mm-hmm.
2: um, But one thing that's interesting is, is that so Houdini's big break came in 1899. Just before that, Houdini actually... Did work as a spiritualist, and it was Mm. in spiritualism, which we will get to later. This is like wave
3: one of spiritualism, or is this early in the second wave of spiritualism? No,
2: this is wave one. Okay, so so spiritualism basically began in like the eighteen forties and was very popular through the rest of the 19th century but was getting debunked more and more because of all the fake spiritualists and Mm -hmm. mediums and so forth so so spiritualism is actually a religion and its main tenant or one of its main tenets is is that there are some people that are gifted that can cross the between the world of the living and the dead i think the
3: second wave of spiritualism really coincided with the industrial revolution and this idea that you've got these these x-ray machines that can do magical type things and you've got these machines that can do magical things and and it made people a little more susceptible to the well. I can do magical things too. The right, you know. So
2: and certainly after the First mm-hmm. World War, where there were so many right. grieving people who right. had lost so many family members and wanted to try to communicate with them. But but just bear that in mind, listeners, because that will become very key later. And <laughs> he was, and he admitted, a total fake. Right. He did magic tricks while when yeah. he was a spiritualist. Anyways. In uh, 1899, he met his future manager Martin Beck, and um, he was Beck was very uh, impressed by his handcuff. You got a lot of moxie, boy. You got a lot of moxie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You gotta with stay with that handcuff <laughs> trick. You
3: gotta go with that. Yeah,
2: <laughs> you're the bee's knees. <laughs> cat's pajamas <laughs> 23 skidoo <laughs> i love my wife but oh you kid <laughs> so so he he did beck did say concentrate on the escape acts. yeah and that's and i'll
3: promote these escape acts for you and we'll make that a big deal
5: mm-hmm.
2: and he and that's when he booked him in on the uh, orpheum vaudeville circuit which was big big time that's big time yeah that that's how he that would have been like vegas of the time mm-hmm. you know in mm-hmm. terms of entertainment value and packing the houses Um, And in fact, uh, in 1900, Beck even got Houdini booked for Europe, where he he was kind of like Jimi Hendrix in that way. He did much bigger in Europe, and then his acclaim kind of boomeranged back into America. Well, there's this
3: famous story that he got there, and it was a complete disaster, and nobody knew who he was. So he went right to wherever city he was in. He went right to Scotland Yard, the, the office of Scotland Yard, and said, handcuff me to a pole, and I will escape. And and the, the officer was like, you know, oh, all right, great. And then he would handcuff, handcuff him to the pole and said, this is what we do to foreigners when they get out of line, and we'll be back for you in a couple hours. And turned around and walked out. And and <laughs> Houdini, put the
2: boot in, eh? I know.
3: He was, he was being all snarky about it. And Houdini followed him out of the room, basically, and said, I'm right here. <laughs> <Yeah>. ta <Ta-da. laughs>
5: Hey, who's that behind you? What? <laughs> what? what? <laughs> so...
3: so uh, and that worked really well. He's a master of the publicity of the time. Yes. Where he knew at yeah. that time there was no Twitter or the interwebs. No. And you had to get the word of mouth going to get people to say, you know, I this person did something amazing. You got to go see it. And that's how
2: he did it. Houdini marketed himself brilliantly throughout yeah. his career. Yeah. He used every available medium of his time he used of course you know newspapers handbills radio and that got mm-hmm. to be used which of course was invented by tesla yeah. not marconi, marconi. <laughs> <laughs> and uh and, of course, uh, later on, uh, audio recordings and movies. Right, right. And was very big in the papers and so forth. In fact, yeah. you know, his some of his bills even kind of used, I guess, what you would probably have called softcore porn at the time because he was, like, very barely clothed, mm-hmm. but, you know, more or less covered in all these chains. Well, And he really... never
3: talked about it, but there were some loincloth shots, and mm-hmm. he would never, you know, talk about it, but that's what got people really excited about the act is... Yeah. The sexuality of it. A little skin. (laughs) Yeah, a little skin. But, you know, the great thing that he would do is he would go ahead of time. I mean, and and we're talking about a long career here, so we're probably blending a little bit. But he would go ahead of time to a city he was going to go to, and he would visit the local jail. Right. And he would drop items that he knew he would need later in the jail. And then he would say, this is fine jail, great jail. And then he'd come back the next day and say, lock me up in any cell and I will escape. And they would lock him up in a cell, and he would grab his, you know, key or however he Pick needed or, to get out yeah, of it, whatever. and he would escape from the jail, and that would be mm-hmm. his publicity event before the show that he would do.
4: Yeah, oh. and you have to think that you know, even if someone did this today, that Ooh. would be pretty good publicity. You know, oh, we yeah. got our big modern jails, oh. and if someone escaped from them, gentlemen, one thing yeah. I think
2: we should mention is that we are not trying to de- demystify or explain these tricks. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Because they're they're very complex tricks for, mm-hmm. for one, and number two. Even if you know how, how one of Houdini's tricks is done, it, in fact, only makes it more impressive.
3: Yeah, I don't in right. any way mean to be like, well, he would just hide a key. and But no, I, I'm no. saying that he had the skill of oh, diverting yeah. people oh, yeah. and making these arrangements ahead of time. Half the trick was done before he would even start telling people he was going to do a trick. That's right. So, I mean, he was really brilliant, and, and he brought... Just a real real deft hand to a lot of the things that he was doing on stage mm-hmm. and in the public venue later on as he gets into like straight jacket work and things like that. Right. But uh yeah, his knowledge and his his skill, I mean, even with his feet, he could he could turn keys and open doors and right. he was very good at uh manipulating his body. And that's a very important part. He yeah. he physically trained very hard for yes, anything he that he was gonna do. And, and he physically used his body in a lot of ways to make uh, make his tricks work in his favor.
2: Well, I mean what you mentioned the straight jacket escape mm-hmm. said he would do. He literally threw himself out of joint to be able to do that.
3: Yeah, he would um what he would do in a yep. lot of these and I, I I only say this kind of stuff because I love it and it's so exciting. Right. But you know, he was he, he knew how to hold himself when he was being strapped in and then right. how to do these adjustments to to you know, make this arm move a certain way so that he could then flip his arm over they'd his head. Cuz he more
2: room. Right when they tightened it down, and then, in fact, he could move around. Right. But sometimes mm-hmm. he actually would, like, throw himself out of joint. Oh, yeah, and I've to... seen
3: people like Teller do it very simply. Like, you can very simply, you know, a pen right. and Teller, you can very simply get out of a straitjacket. But Houdini knew, as a showman, people wanted him to work his ass off to get these tricks oh, right. to work. So he oh, would yeah. throw himself on the ground, and eventually, with the straitjacket tricks, he was hanging above the street before the event, to show that he could upside down get out of the straitjacket. It was f- so theatrical in the public venue that people were just dying to go see his show. Mm-hmm. And, and mm-hmm. on a sidebar to that, there was one time where Hardeen or Dash, they would compete. They would do competing magic tricks, right, <laughs> Th- through the cities they would go to. I only think of The Incredibles when I hear that name. And uh, Dash would hand out playbills for his magic show, the Hard hardeen show that's and so
5: hard cheese this is so
3: hard cheese because houdini's <laughs> up there flipping out of the straitjacket, and dash is handing out playbills for his own show so that people will think that houdini is hardeen <laughs> right <laughs> <laughs> and, and I, I heard that they didn't speak for weeks after that event. oh no doubt yeah <laughs> <laughs> that's, so awesome. dash. that's so awesome that's so awesome that is rivalry that is sibling rivalry at and its it finest it truly is
2: <laughs> um so Houdini did become known as the handcuff king in fact to the point mm-hmm. where in 1918 when he he registered for Selective service he registered and this is on record as Harry handcuff Houdini that's awesome well you also mentioned Penn and Teller mm-hmm. very famous uh, magic act mm-hmm. also on Babylon 5 <laughs> <laughs> as uh, Zudi and Rebo speaking of <laughs> <laughs> and uh, they're both you know huge fans of Houdini but uh, teller especially is a huge collector of of Houdini memorabilia. So, I mean, if there's an auction mm-hmm. of any kind where they have old playbills or, or, or you know, equipment that he used, mm-hmm. he is front and center, you know. Yeah, you bidding.
3: know, I, I, I saw an auction. I don't know where that was, but David Copperfield is too as well. Yes. A huge yes. collector. And wouldn't that be amazing to have, like, the, the milk can or the Chinese water tarp? Oh. I mean, just to have that in yeah. your house and be like... I own this I would just sit and look at it I would just <laughs> stare at it. I mean, I just you see some of these old posters and playbills and it's Those just are like gorgeous oh gosh, by the way. Beautiful people. Uh-huh. Yeah. But you know, what are your guys' favorite magicians? I mean, I love Penn and Teller. Penn and Teller are just wonderful, but I remember also as a kid really loving Doug Henning. That oh, yeah. crazy sure.
2: hippie guy. I just Canadian hippie. Loved
3: him. I loved him, and I have great. You know, he's like the Mister Rogers of magic for me.
2: He was a good magician, though. <laughs> yeah, he, he was he actually very was. skilled. I like. I like yeah. the way he did it. I, I have to say that that, and I don't mean to take away from like David Copperfield or, or any of those acts. Um, they're so. They're so big. They're so big. They're so Vegasy. Um, Harry Blackstone, I think, oh, was yeah. a, a good one. It's almost like jumping the shark
3: when you make the Statue of Liberty disappear. Right. Because it's yeah. like, well, okay, you're you're not doing that, and right. there's no way I'm going to fall for just a simple visual yeah. switcheroo or something. I mean, Doug Hinton yeah. would
2: just do stuff where he'd just come out, and he'd yeah. say, oh, and it was just amazing. It but was... it always ended with, and beauty. Yeah, and just, because the life is magic. The world is magic. On SCTV, <laughs> they always used to make just brutal fun of Doug Henning, yeah. and they would always wear this like stringy wig and these big buck teeth, and go, "That's because the world is magic." <laughs> <And> they, <laughs> they they could never like finish the act because it was, they were laughing. It. Yeah. Oh my gosh.
3: I think he was even on the Muppets a couple times.
2: We should forget the amazing Randy. The amazing Randy, <laughs> another great, yeah, great magician. Yeah. But Penn and Teller, I I like a lot because I just you know they started on the street busking mm-hmm. and they just have a really great attitude, mm-hmm. and uh, I I, just, re- I get a big kick out of
3: them. I remember when they were on PBS, it was must have been in the late 80s, and and they, they advised me at the time to go get a video cassette and hit play or hit record and start recording. We're going to show you how to do this magic trick and tell you when to tr- tell your friend to turn on the tape to start watching so that you can look really cool and have Penn and Teller do your magic trick. And <laughs> I thought that was so cool that they were involving people sure, in, in, their, in their show and, and showing you how tricks work. But anyway, I mean... Harry Houdini's before my time, but I have a love for this magic. And the escapology is is really, I'm a little bit claustrophobic. And to see him do some of the things he does, yeah, he knows how he's going to get out of them. But, uh, you know, it's still dangerous and scary, you know, to yeah. lock yourself up in something and oh, yeah, be sure. thrown
4: in the river. You know? oh, yeah, man. I mean, there's, there's some pain involved mm-hmm. when he's contorting and trying to get oh, out of these things. I so, you would think yeah. very
3: much. But so. as the handcuff king in that era of his career, he would invite people to bring handcuffs, any handcuff they wanted, and yeah. he would have them he'd throw on like 10 handcuffs and he he'd eyeball them and watch them and figure them out. And the way he would do magic at that point and, and it it went further into the career uh is that then he would go behind a curtain, you know, and and that would build up the tension of the audience. Right. right. You know, he's, he's behind the curtain. What's it's going on? It's not that
2: he couldn't have done it right in front of you.
3: Right. Right. But it's, it, it builds yeah. the suspense. And then he sure. would, he would come out like 20 minutes later and look at the cu- cuffs in the light and then go back behind the curtain. He'd be all sweaty. And and right. then he'd, he'd do more work. And, and, What's and he, he going to do? He's an awesome showman. <laughs> he would just build and build until yeah. he could tell the audience was just on the cusp of leaving to go get a yeah. soda or something. <laughs> you and,
5: suck. ta <laughs> <Yeah.
2: laughs> So, uh, Harry, uh, when he we toured Europe, he toured England, Scotland, Netherlands, Germany, France, and Russia. Mm-hmm. And as you mentioned, he would go to the local jails and, yeah. and, and you know get the local publicity. He goodies. would also
3: go to great music. I keep saying musician, but great magicians' graves yes. and clean them off. And mm-hmm. he felt they should be respected, and they weren't enough for him. And and Which that was, was another thing that he did. It Was very yeah. cool. He did mm-hmm. a
2: lot to 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 make parlor magic uh, very popular, mm-hmm. and also to respect that this is really an art. Mm-hmm. And a craft. Yeah. And uh, in uh, Moscow, Houdini escaped from a Siberian uh, prison transport van, of course, which became very popular after 1917. <laughs> yeah, <and> many people <laughs> tried. Ta da! Uh-huh.
5: Very few people did. That,
2: that's how many people got away with it.
5: It's Harry. <laughs> exactly. <is there>. Yeah.
3: <laughs> and those that did were shot. Uh-huh.
4: But that's always a sign of a good artist when he promotes other artists in the same Mm -hmm. field. Well, no,
3: no. In the current contemporary time, he was the only magician allowed to exist. Like that was. This is the ferocious nature of Harry Houdini. Is competition was stifled and people were stealing tricks from him. Basically, Uh, he would dress up and show up at another magician's handcuff escape routine where he would invite people to bring handcuffs houdini would show up with handcuffs that he knew that that magician could not get out of and slap him on and then uh-huh. when he, he couldn't get out he would say see no one is great as the houdini <laughs> yeah you know and, and he would okay. he would he would nail him and he hated I, I think he would be on the side of like the riaa at this time because oh
2: he's he yeah.
3: really thought that he should benefit from his tricks and other people shouldn't copy what he's doing and in mm-hmm. other venues and he it, it frustrated him to no end that he had these tricks that other people were copying.
2: That's true. He he was ripped off all through his
3: mm-hmm. career. Just and it burned him, and he would any opportunity he could burn someone back. He mm-hmm. would he would do it. But
4: that's good publicity too, if mm-hmm. if you can show that you're better. Right, and and back yeah. to Robert Houdin when
3: when he got rebuffed by the the widow about you know visiting and and meeting and all that, he wrote this scathing book uh, about what a, a farce Robert Houdin was. Like he tore Houdin apart. Magicians today kind of say, well, that was kind of a bad face for him. <laughs> he probably shouldn't have done that. <laughs> and no one really takes the book very seriously because Robert Houdin is such a great, he's done so much for, for magic, but that's just the way he was. You know, he, He's a grudge mm-hmm. holder, definitely. Oh yeah, Wow! very much okay. so. He, um,
2: so he was a headliner in vaudeville for many years. Uh, in fact, he was probably the highest paid performer in vaudeville. One of his probably most famous, like you mentioned, uh, David Copperfield making the Statue of Liberty disappear. Uh, One of his biggest non-escape tricks was making an elephant and his trainer disappear on stage, which was, you know, huge at at the time. And well, probably still would be. I couldn't Um, do it. I couldn't either. (laughs) He became, uh, in 1923, became the president of uh, Martinka and Company, the America's oldest magic company. The business is is still operating today. So oh yeah, you can still buy something from.
4: Do, do they sell to professionals or just the kind of the kid stuff you see in the toy store? I would think
2: professionals, wouldn't you? Yeah. Okay. You
4: know? I, I don't, I don't know. know. I don't know which magic company does what. So yeah. <laughs> I'm not sure either. I was just in a toy store uh, uh, this weekend, and uh, they had some magic tricks there, and <laughs> they were like the same ones. They had when I was a kid. Totally cool. You know, the little ball and cups, and it's just kind of, yeah. Those are still fun. I don't care who they are. Yeah.
3: So, can we talk about some of his really great big magic tricks?
2: Big tricks. The big tricks. The ones
3: that he is known for. Like the first one that he came up
2: with, he built it, he designed it, he made it. (laughs) The milk can. The milk can. (laughs) Now, yeah. I suppose this might be kind of weird to some of our listeners too, but you know, milk didn't always come in a carton. <laughs> Crack a can of milk. Yeah. Or even a bottle, yeah. <laughs> you you got well, your milk in a in a huge uh can. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah.
4: yeah. <laughs> or at least that's well, I know nothing about it, but yeah. Botulas. I mean, they
2: were like like what, about a three, four foot can. Mm-hmm. Well, and he yeah. had
3: specially designed one that was uh, big enough for him to get in and mm-hmm. uh I'm not going to give away secrets here, but yeah, he he specially built it. I mean, th- that's the funny part about about that kind of magic act is, you know, are you going to trust the guy who built the thing that he's escaping yeah, yeah. from? Right. Okay,
4: I'm an idiot. Yeah, they, <laughs>
5: they, uh, they had a reproduction.
4: They had a reproduction melt can at the Houdini Museum in Appleton. Oh. So it, I, I couldn't quite figure it out myself, and I'm not so so. Know, but,
2: essentially, the the gig was he would get. He would be handcuffed and put in an oversized milk can filled with water, and then he'd be behind a curtain. Showman that he was, as he was getting lowered in the can, he would go
3: into the can, he'd he'd go, (gasps) hold his breath and go underwater, and then come back up and say, it's great, okay, now audience, everyone hold your breath. Hold yeah. your breath with me. Yeah. Yes. And I will go in the can and, and everyone would do it. And they would hold their breath and I would build the suspense and build the act. And and he would get locked into the can and then the curtain would lower and then they'd wait. And you know, a couple a minute would go by and people would blow out their air and be yeah. like, Oh my gosh, he's dead. Oh no. You know, <laughs> what <is he> doing? <laughs> right. Two minutes would go by, <laughs> you know, right. three minutes would go by. <laughs> like he would really push this. Yeah.
4: You know, as far as he could. But well, he was breathing through a straw or something like that.
2: Well, there was yeah. probably like a, a small air pocket. Air pocket that was or at something. The yeah, top. it doesn't matter in any case. Yeah, uh, like the the handbills would say, "Failure means a drowning death."
5: Yeah, it yeah. was so well played. <laughs> oh yeah, exactly. Nothing here. Yeah.
3: But but then he would. Uh, and some people had said that at, at times he would be like reading the paper behind the screen and and they'd be like you're rumpling the papers too much you know hide <laughs> uh-huh. down a little bit right and then he would you know get all wet and then he'd pop out from behind the curtain at the very last moment and that would right. be the
2: big dramatic well then <gasps> later on he he's like, ver- he varied it by putting the milk can in a wooden chest which was chained and padlocked oh. <laughs> you know so it was like one of those russian dolls yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that that is just totally cool. And so yeah. that that kind of became uh, one of his signature, yeah, you know, tricks yeah. in any one of his shows.
4: You know, and we could speculate, we're probably not accurate, that, you know, the whole milk can, that, that's from him living in Wisconsin for a while. He of just, course. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Digging back on those Wisconsin roots. But. Yes. That's right. <laughs> of course they had milk cans everywhere there was milk, but. Right. That's true.
2: Um Should we move on to the infamous Chinese water torture cell? <laughs> yes and this one creeped me out. This
3: one it did yeah. me too. Anyone doing this trick, it just creeps me out, you know
5: mm-hmm.
3: Ugh. <laughs> so yeah. so he would get his his feet shackled into a plate, basically, and then yes. he would be held upside down by his shackled feet mm-hmm. and lowered head first into a very tight. Uh,
2: Transparent trans, tank yeah, of
3: water. Aquarium, basically. Yeah, it was an aquarium. <laughs> and with his head down, and I just... oh, oh I, Yeah, it's terrible. And uh, then he'd padlocked the into it behind the curtain, and then right. he'd come out sometimes 20 minutes later. He would uh, vary it later on by adding people with axes at the sides of the Chinese water torture to, right. to make it look like they're oh, going to have to bust in at any minute and oh, save his life. He's in trouble! <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> And that one he would he would push that one for more than like five minutes. He would draw that out and sit behind the curtain, oh, sure, presumably, and then pop out when people were looking bored
2: he would he would call he called it Houdini upside down, yeah, that's right. He didn't call it the Chinese <laughs>
3: water torture trick. no, uh, no, as far as Chinese water torture, I don't think that really exists. you know, I think even the Chinese water drip torture is just a urban legend.
2: I think so. T- yeah. I mean, I yeah, it doesn't seem. I like... mean,
3: yeah, the idea was that you would uh, tell someone that it was going to uh, wear a hole in their skull. Was the yeah idea, but but you know, you can actually really affect people. I've seen some experiments where they would uh they would tell people that they were slitting their wrist and they were just going to drip blood to death. Right. And they would give them a wet feeling on their wrist, but they would be totally fine. It's one torture sure. technique, and and they would really go into shock over it, even though they weren't totally fine. <laughs> oh yeah, it's just amazing the mind's ability to
2: trick yourself. Well, so so and Houdini did the Chinese water torture uh, cell trick uh, right up until his death in, in 1926. And we'll get to this later. There there was at least two Hollywood movies, uh, especially the one with Tony Curtis. Oh yeah. And uh, that was very very inaccurate and was a very fictionalized uh recounting of his life. It, in fact, it just made it look like um well that that he died in the cell and he, and he didn't. I mean, mm-hmm. I I suppose we could skip ahead a bit and just say that Houdini died from in uh peritonitis from from a ruptured appendix.
3: Right. Yeah, we can explain that in a little more detail as we get forward here.
2: Right, but I mean, I, I think it's 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 key to understand that just like the earlier mention of of his Brief career as a spiritualist because it does play in, I think, much later mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. To, a, to a big degree. Mm-hmm.
3: One of my other favorite tricks he did, unless there's more you want to say about the Chinese. No, no, water not, not at all. I like the uh, the box trick where he would uh, have himself hammered into a box and mm. then thrown into a river.
2: I mean, that is so base. That is so basic, oh, you yeah. know, and
3: and horrible.
2: Or when they cut, you know, like, would cut the hole in in the river. In oh, winter, right. and then dump the box, in. Yeah. <laughs> and so like uh-huh. even if he came up, he could be coming up under the ice. Yeah, yeah, and there
3: are stories that there were some times where he was really in trouble because of currents in the Mississippi River. Sure, and the the temperatures of the waters. He would train in these waters. He would try to get used to mm-hmm. what he was going to be facing, but he never really knew exactly, you know, how it was going to go because he really yeah. did. You know, a lot of these magicians would have the handcuffs basically falling apart as they're going into the water or whatever. But with Houdini, he really was handcuffed and he would still then have to get out of the handcuffs because... He wouldn't have just fake handcuffs on. No,
2: no. I mean, he he was getting. Yeah. I mean, so even if you got to you know pick these things or right. do whatever, he would have to do something. And yeah. even in
3: the box trick, I, I you know I I heard how that was done, and it still scared the crap out of me. I wouldn't want oh, to try to no. you know file the nails off or whatever he was doing to get out of that box mm-hmm. uh, as it was slowly filling with water, <laughs> ice cold water, and sinking. I mean.
4: Yeah, crazy. It's not what I do on a Saturday. No, no.
3: The, the other thing that was great about him is he'd get the film crews there; they'd be filming him, and he would burst through the water, you right. know, with the handcuffs in his hands, and then he would look around and be like, "Was I in the middle of the frame there? Okay, well, let's do it one more time." And he'd go back underwater, and then he'd burst through the water again. <laughs> is that okay? <laughs> Let me do it again. He burst through the water like this was a showman. He wanted yes. the perfect cut, the perfect take. He wanted it seen as. Perfect and a great performer. Yeah, great performer.
2: Yeah. Uh, one of my favorites, and I think the one that you, you'll if if you see like early films of Houdini's act, you'll probably always see is the suspended straitjacket. Uh, yeah. Escape.
3: Yeah, we, we talked about that a little bit, but yeah.
2: You know, because I mean, when because he would he would be suspended upside down in the straitjacket mm-hmm. w- from a crane, and like high winds could <laughs> could just like smash him into a building wall or mm-hmm. what, yeah, and it yeah it was it was pretty amazing.
3: That one always seemed kind of fun to me. yeah. I mean, yeah. of all the things he would do, that would be the most fun
2: because be that that one is so visible where you're 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 up high and you're suspended. I mean there's there's not a whole lot of room for you know trickery. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, and then, and
3: then the other, the, I think the other big one, the last big one, really would be the buried alive trick. Buried alive okay. was the
2: creepiest.
3: Yeah, it still is really creepy. Yeah, and I think I even saw MythBusters about that, where I, there's pressure from the from the dirt above on the box itself. Right. And there's there's physics there that can go wrong very very badly.
2: I mean he he did he did like three variations of this trick, mm-hmm. and it, it almost cost him his life. He was buried without a casket in you know six feet deep. Jeez, I mean Man. you know all all chained up, and it's it's just it's just so it's weird to even describe because mm-hmm. it, it, this one is like almost kind of goes to the yeah you know the masochistic in a certain way. <laughs> I just think of Kill Bill. Yeah, yeah, it, yeah. It does really remind you of that, or the Serpent in the Rainbow. Yeah, or, oh, the Serpent in the Rainbow. Oh. Oh. Terrible. But uh, and and uh, he did one where he was like sealed in a, a casket submerged in a swimming pool, yeah, uh, you for know, an hour and a half.
3: And, and someone had said that they, oh, I can I cannot breathe for over an hour. And and Houdini knew how that worked. And I think James Randi even tried this as well. But who what happens is, yeah, a normal person under normal breathing in a casket uh, can't stay there more than like ten minutes or whatever. All right. But these guys are highly trained, and they. And that's the thing is this is a skill. This is not just goofball. Uh, What they do is they practice breathing. It's like a scuba diver. Like the first time you go scuba diving – uh, you use up all your air in like twenty minutes because you're just freaked out. You're like, <gasps>
5: <laughs> <Right>. I'm underwater. <gasps> you're, yeah, you're, you're totally.
3: Yeah. You're using way too much air. You don't need to be using. So they practice it, and what they do is they lay very still and they try to stay very calm. And and this guy said no one could break the one hour. I'm the best. And Houdini said no, I can do it. He did an hour and a half. And. And he, wow. yeah, he almost didn't get out of that one because right. he pushed it until he was uh, hallucinating because that's what happens. He starts see He said he was seeing yellow lights and yeah. hallucinating, and they pulled him out and he he came out of that crate looking like death
2: itself. Well, the the first time he did that when he was just buried, he he passed out when he finally got up because he was he was panicking and actually calling for help. I mean, if you can imagine that while you're trying to dig your way out six feet under, yeah. The the last variation he did is he was. Um, he was strapped in a straight jacket, sealed in a casket, and then buried in a large tank filled with sand. <laughs> I mean, after a while, it's like, why don't you just tie like bowling balls to your nuts, exactly. too? I mean, <laughs> what else are you going to add? Yeah. <laughs> Come <on>, Houdini. <laughs> yeah. Get on to this Udini. one,
3: Houdini. <laughs> uh, you know, one thing that I thought was really interesting that I heard is that he was buried in one of the caskets from the buried alive trick. That's kind of cool. That is. Think of it, Houdini's underground right now, (laughs) still trying to get out. Help! What would Father say if he were alive today? (laughs) Help! Help! Get me out of here! It's dark in here.
2: (laughs) It's like that old joke about if if Amelia, if she was, she'd be ninety years old today and really low on fuel. (laughs) Oh man. (laughs) So yeah, that I and and of course uh, we we should mention that that Houdini. Okay, he had these great performances, but he also had a movie career. Which that's right, which were essentially just, you know, kind of silent films, and they would pretty much just be uh I mean they're not they're not great films, but they're kind of cool because you get to see Harry Houdini and yeah, he says, Oh, Tori, you, you actually have this one. guy looked cool too. <laughs> the Master Mystery. Yes, yes.
4: This is uh it's available on DVD, but the Master Mystery, that's Houdini's first movie. And of course, it's a silent movie, and it was a serial, like fifteen parts. So you saw one part, and then you had to go home and wait a week or two, and go back to the theater to see the next part. And I don't it, think this
3: one did very well either.
2: Uh, well, most of his movies, because I mean, they were but, they were more or less like you know uh, pornos. You know, you fast forward uh, through all the intros and just try to get to it. <laughs> Uh, with Houdini, it was, it was pretty much just, okay, where's where he going to escape from? Yeah,
4: <laughs> exactly. Every uh, segment. Dance, monkey boy. Fe- features <laughs> a different escape. But really, what's intriguing about this movie and why it's worth at least uh, watching the first few uh, segments is that part of one of the villains, or the villains are using what they claim is uh, a, a ton of ton, uh, you know, essentially a robot. Yeah, that they got from Madagascar where they had transplanted a human brain. <laughs>
2: oh, in, yeah. Because in the Bills, the... they always have like this big robot and his yeah. eyes are glowing. Yeah, and it's on Bender. the cover here. Bender. Yeah, he does kind of look <laughs> yeah, like Bender, He looks actually. like
4: Bender. But, you know, so he's always walking around robot like and, you know, scaring the ladies. Awesome. <laughs> um but it, it it's you know i i'm not through all 15 parts yet but i'm going to watch the whole thing because oh, sure. I, I have to see how it ends <laughs> Houdini in this um is kind of also we'll get into his skeptic uh career but he's he mentioned early on in the movie that uh, you know i think there's a man in the robot suit and it's not uh not not a brain and all mechanical so he's debunking all these you know the stuff that's going on, <laughs> it's like Scooby Doo. Yeah, exactly. And uh, except he keeps getting, well, I guess like, keeps, like getting in, yeah, keeps getting caught. Yeah, he keeps getting caught, tied yeah. up. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I would have got
3: away with it. Was it for you darn <laughs> like kid, Greg Brady in a tiki cave in Hawaii. <laughs> yeah. No,
4: but the other thing we should mention is uh, uh, large chunks of this movie are lost. For the ages, because it's on this old nitrate film, which uh, deteriorates quickly if it's not preserved properly. So you'll be watching the DVD, and then it'll just come up, there'll be a little paragraph saying... Well, Houdini got caught here and then he escaped. And then Right. Now they ended up here. Like and, Metropolis. You yeah. Know. And now we're on chapter seven. <laughs> so Right.
2: I think uh but he he did some like standalone movies like The Grim Game and The Man yeah, from yeah. Beyond. Let's
3: talk about the Grim Game quickly. Just I'll be brief. But the Grim Game is really well known for the the plane sequence right. where, where Houdini is riding on the wing of a plane, and they have these close-ups of Houdini on a plane wing, mm-hmm. and then they have a stunt double, Robert Kennedy, n- no relation to Jack Kennedy, <laughs> who was on the wing of the plane. And, um, and what, was hap- what happened is the planes, they were caught by a gust of wind, and you can see it in the footage, but they damn near crashed. It looked really scary and yeah. they, they and this was all real there's no faking this and, no no and and so the planes like intertwined and then they fell apart and they they managed to survive basically mm-hmm. and uh houdini took credit for it he's like nothing in this film is fake yeah but it wasn't houdini on the wing of the plane when that happened houdini was on the ground doing the the acting part and then the stunt devil was doing the sure the stuff and he was like, and rumors started abounding that well, Houdini didn't really do that, you know. Obviously that was someone else. And he would invite people, anyone on stage, come up on stage. And and he invited uh a guy came up on stage at one of his shows, and it was the pilot of the plane, one of the few guys who knew who actually did that trick. Mm-hmm. And Houdini sees him coming up the stage and says, pulls him aside, puts his arm around the guy, and says, this with me right now is the brave pilot of the plane from the grim game who saved my life, you know, and and pulls him into it. And then the guy doesn't doesn't say that Houdini... Well, no, I mean, what are you going to say? Yeah, so exactly. That's bullshit.
5: <laughs> <laughs> or just fucking hell. <laughs> Walk out. Yeah. Okay, you got me, fine. Houdini. So he
3: made him a hero. He made the guy a hero, and then the yeah. guy's like, awesome, all right, fine. Another
2: but- escape. <laughs> I know.
3: Another amazing <laughs> escape. <laughs> <laughs> just, the- not just handcuffs with this guy.
4: Well, that's part of the magic, because you have to keep the myth going.
3: Oh, yeah. Right. You know. He's so oh, great. absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. So, yeah, mm-hmm. that's the grim game. But then he did Terror Island, kind of a total... Yeah, failure. You know, Uh,
2: yeah, that was him against the natives. It's interesting that you Houdini on Gilligan's Island, basically. (laughs) 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 That was about the only person who wasn't on Gilligan's Island. Uh, But it's interesting, Victor, that you should mention uh, the Grim Game uh, with the with the airplane stunt because Houdini actually was a pioneer aviator. Oh, that's right. Yeah. So yeah, he he flew in. uh, He bought an air. He became fascinated. With aviation, uh, in 1909. Now, bear in mind, only six years after the Wright brothers, you know, few, you know, minute flight at Kitty Hawk, he bought yeah. a French Avoussan uh, biplane, right, for five grand, which was, you know, pretty princely sum back in the day. And he hired a full-time mechanic. He, he painted his name in like huge letters. <laughs> on the side you know cuz come on he's he's Houdini why wouldn't you do yeah, that yeah. exactly and uh so he he, he uh, crashed once, uh, but then you know made a successful solo flight. Yeah,
3: and... at the time a successful solo flight, you couldn't just go up in the plane and land it. You had to go up in the plane to a certain you know height off the ground and, mm-hmm. and do a figure eight and, and then turn around and show the control yeah, of the aircraft, show your, not just being blown around by the wind.
2: <laughs> you're not just slopping it up there. <laughs> right. You actually know what you're doing exactly, and, and then no. land the plane intact. Exactly,
3: and the the grim game was uh, that was nineteen nineteen. Roughly to put it in context, mm-hmm. and this was around 1910 that there was this battle to to have the first flight on every continent,
2: right? And and Houdini, so Houdini shipped his plane uh, to Australia. <laughs> he
3: created it to Australia, <laughs> right? Wow.
2: And he he sent it to uh, Diggers Rest, uh, Victoria, and uh, so this this would be like north of Melbourne, mm-hmm. Melbourne, Melbourne. Mel- I'm sorry, Melbourne, Melbourne, <laughs> Melbourne, <laughs> and uh, he. He flew and landed the plane successfully. There, there was a gentleman, uh, Colin Defries, who preceded him, but he crashed, so it didn't really count. Well, this other,
3: it, well, there was the guy who did the pre-dawn flight, but he started early and too early in the morning. It's like you know, yeah. it's like I don't know what he was calling. I call shenanigans. He started before sunrise. <laughs> shenanigans, <laughs> evil shenanigans. But only a couple locals had seen him take off and. Land, roughly. Or a right. crash, you know. <laughs> yeah.
2: It's still a landing. Hey, it didn't have to be a three pointer, but <laughs> right, you didn't right. have to land it. He <laughs> kinda of stuck
3: the landing. <laughs> yeah. but, Dug in a little bit. Yeah, but but so Houdini later on the same day has film crew there and you know, mm-hmm. professional setup and goes up and does it.
2: He um after Australia, uh Houdini put his uh <laughs> biplane in storage in England and announced that he would fly from city to city during his next tour. But nobody knows why exactly, but he never flew again. That's awesome. And but he, but he said, Oh, it doesn't matter, people will always remember me as a pioneer aviator. Well, Tank Riot does. I don't know that anyone else does, except yeah. um <laughs> there was a centenary uh celebration at Digger's Rest this year, uh, celebrating, you know, a hundred years he ago cool. he f- he flew in Australia. The- that is
4: yeah. awesome. Any chance that plane still exists? I know. I was. I know, wondering. that, that would bugs be so the cool. Shit
3: out of me too. That, yeah, that's like an Indiana Jones, uh, you know, in yeah. the giant. Dun,
2: dun, dun, dun. It, uh-huh.
3: It's in the giant military
2: warehouse somewhere. <laughs> yeah, it's right yeah. there. Who Houdini's arc. plane? Uh-huh. <laughs> and the milk? <laughs> game. No, don't open that box. <laughs> <laughs> that's the ark.
5: <laughs>
2: so I think then we would probably have to move on to. The last big phase of Houdini's career, and this is one—the death of his mother. Well, it's it deals with the death of his mother, but it also is uh, ties back into um, Houdini's early interest in spiritualism. You know, certainly as a as a fake spiritualist in in the twenties. After his mother Cecilia died, I guess he became interested in spiritualism, or perhaps trying to talk to her. It's no, I
3: I think honestly. His interest. I'm, I'm in, never sure if that's true. Or I that think that's isn't. true. I, 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 I go on record saying that I think that that's true. I think that Houdini and this is speculation because that's what I do. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think I think that based on the facts of his life and his love of his mother, this guy was the a number one classic mama's boy.
2: Yes, that's and true. I'm
3: not saying that in a bad way. I'm just saying that you know, even when his father died, it it, it didn't really affect him in such a way, except for his father on his deathbed said, "Eric, you, you take care of your mother." Right. You know, but he had
2: he had kind of like an Elvis like love, of, a of love his, for his mother. Yes. Yeah,
3: yeah. He considered mm-hmm. his mother and his wife his two girlfriends. You know, and. That's right. He would write to his mother all the time and Well there's
2: that famous picture of Houdini with Bess mm-hmm. and his mother says like my two girls, yep. I think he called it. It's yep. me and my two girls. And and it's it's interesting in that um there was a movie made in 1976 with Paul Michael, Paul Michael Glaser which uh was, you know, of course, Starsky of Starsky and Hutch fame. And he call that yeah. fame. Yeah. <laughs> It, it was it was a very weird TV movie but I actually remember seeing it when it came out. And it it had actually a really big cast. It had like Ruth Gordon as uh, The Houdini's- evil satanic leader of the cult? No. Well, I'm sorry, that's a no, different movie. She was Houdini's mom. Oh God. <laughs> I love Ruth Gordon. I do too. That goddamn <laughs> ape ate a whole bag of Oreos and shit all over the yard. Oh. <laughs> And uh, <laughs> Sally Struthers <laughs> oh. was his wife. Bass, anyways, it it showed Houdini after his his mother died, going to, into this almost like you know unbelievable depression, and that's what he became. You know, fascinated by uh, spiritualism, and 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 again, you have to take the mo- that movie and the Tony Curtis Houdini movie with a huge grain of salt because these are not accurate historical portrayals or docudramas or anything it's more or less like oh we can just kind of play around with this and mm-hmm. make whatever and i bring that up because in that movie the 1976 movie they showed his mother being anti-christian to the point of you know just fanaticism mm-hmm. and that her and hmm. best just Hated one another, which in fact they did not. They no. were actually quite fond of one another, and they got along quite well. But
3: it's an easy, it's an easy myth to bring e- exactly. forward with a mama's boy character like Houdini that the That's wife is jealous exactly. of the mother's affection and attentions. So, uh, and and you need dramatic tension, just like in the Tony Curtis movie where they they totally mess up everything. You know of his mm-hmm. death. Yeah, it it builds dramatic tension and allows for a movie that right. no one cares about the truth and those things.
2: No, no, because it yeah, the legend is always bigger and you, mm-hmm. you just kind of go with that. Exactly, exactly. Again, spiritualism had this like second wave revival. And as Victor was mentioning earlier on, you know, there there were quite a few really fantastic inventions that came out around the turn of the century and uh it was really part of the big industrialization or i should say urbanization of america mm-hmm. you know more people were living in cities than in the rural areas and also you had the very devastating first world war and you you had just millions dead and and people thought well you know if it's possible to talk to my loved ones or whatever i i i'll try anything and of course you know mm-hmm. there would be just no end of people and and the same period of time too you had characters like Aleister Crowley and uh, the Order of the Golden Dawn, so there, there was there was a, a very huge interest in spiritualism. I, I suppose you could say it's almost sort of akin to um, maybe the late '80s, early '90s, mm. kind of the new age, uh, and which I, I guess sort you still movement. have in a lot of different yeah. ways. But mm. it's you know kind of a mashup of uh, of a variety of different things. But Houdini. Would went around essentially debunking these psychics in these mediums because these they were just ripping people off. Yeah, well that's the thing yeah.
3: is I think Houdini was trying to actually communicate with his mother and then with his eye and his ability saw the fraud happening right before him. But and it the made showman him angry
2: also took this and it was like his second career well he's
4: getting older now and physically he can't really his body can't take some of the the harder escape tricks
2: so there's a lot of levels working
4: yeah i think i think
3: there are but more importantly i think it and and, yeah i'm just painting a picture here but i do think that it was frustration at oh yeah it's kind of the frustration i have with with psychics is that it's it's not that they're um It's not that they're just, what's the harm? We're having fun. This is a fun tarot reading. Right. They're they're taking people whose loved ones had died and and – making up stories about what the loved ones are telling them back and forth and yeah. adding right. guilt and communication and, right. and making a relationship where there really isn't one. They're lying yeah. to people who've yeah, had th- people die. They
4: are exploiting people's grief. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's, yeah. that, that's there's,
3: probably there's the no worst, way to put it. worst yeah. form of human parasitism. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. I really, yeah, I would have
2: to agree. I really hate that. That's so, uh-huh. beyond belief. Yeah, and, and so yeah,
3: he really milked this cow and he yeah. went around and just debunked them like a madman oh yeah because he he
2: could show exactly how you could you could achieve the same effects in fact Houdini in a lot of ways was a better medium Mm -hmm. Um, oh yeah you can't see the air quotes I just did but
5: (laughs) yeah um, because he was this this (laughs) talented
4: magician uh at the Appleton uh, Houdini Museum again um they had a, another trick the kids can play is you know when the medium raises the table and makes it float. Right. Houdini showed how they do An angel do gets his wings. Yeah, <laughs> but apparently, <laughs> you know, you wear long sleeves, long baggy sleeves, and then you have these little hooks that hang off your wrist. Mm-hmm. So they and then you just hook those under the table. Then you hold your hands above the table, and it and it looks like you're magically lifting the table, but. No, really, you're just lifting it with the hooks right? under right. your hands, and you sure. might have a little bell attached oh, yeah. to your foot the under, the under the table. The bell under the table. Oh, yeah. There was just, Really? Like, this, yeah. How
3: stupid were these people? Yeah. Well, you, you, <laughs>
5: like, you get people a really A under a up, table. You know, yeah. It doesn't I, take I, I mean, much. If, I <laughs> mean, I'd
3: be thinking cat, but, you know, whatever. Oh, I
2: mean, if you want to get to that view, <laughs> l- all you have to do is, like, watch maybe five minutes of any Ghost I Hunters episode. I can't watch five minutes of any <laughs> Ghost oh Hunters episode. These assholes do the same thing every week. They they get these. I put my pants a little bit. <laughs> well, I was in the dark.
3: By did myself. you hear something? They're just, they're just like scaring each other <laughs> with. <laughs> uh, hey,
2: is somebody here right now? <laughs> yeah, I know. You're just you're just begging for it. I mean, that's. And I would love to be on a Ghost Hunters uh, episode and have like you know those starlight glasses on or, or whatever <sighs> and and just like. <laughs> hammered down as much like cheap green beer and beans as I could and it's like (laughs) Did did you hear something? (laughs) Here'd be
3: my dream. Here'd be my dream. Sneak ahead of time into the building that they're going to investigate. Create the perfect hiding spot. And then explode with lights and explosions and scare the living crap out of them. Scooby-Doo style. Right. Until one of them actually does
4: crab their pants. Because you know they never really saw a real ghost. And
3: they're not expecting to see anything. There's never been anything (laughs) but a tinkle of a rock that someone throws
2: in the next room. But it'd be really
5: fun to scare the pants off of them. That
2: would be so funny to see one of those those guys just fill them. <laughs> <laughs> oh
3: jeez <laughs> How, well, at least I have a plan for my life. <laughs>
4: so <laughs> I I did work a haunted house once at you know during Halloween. Oh, and, oh yeah, so I just you know hid behind the corner and people come around and it's just like ah you jump out. Oh man, you would freak some people out. <laughs> you know they knew it was coming, but <laughs> I mean <laughs> you even could really even the em.
3: little haunted house thing at Little America for a seven or eight year old is yeah. terrifying. These little sideshow haunted houses are really oh, scary yeah. to kids. Yeah, uh-huh. yeah. But anyway, so, so Houdini would go all around the country hitting the newspapers, debunking. He would do stage shows where he would replicate what they were doing, but, but he would allow the audience to see him ringing the bell with his foot and doing all the tricks. And he almost met his match. He started working well, with Scientific sometime,
4: American. Well, p- part of what he would do that he would have a, a group of adults standing on one side of the table and they wouldn't see how he's doing the trick. And (laughs) so the rest of the The audience audience would. So they would be able to see him literally fooling people Uh, right in front of their eyes. What a brilliant debunker. And and he
3: brought the showmanship to just... Yeah, bring it bring it home. Yeah. Like, look, people, they're fooled because they're on that side of the table. And yeah.
2: don't you feel like an
5: asshole? Yeah,
3: <laughs> Why, yes, I do. But he would also, he got so recognized that he would wear a, a wig and a beard, and he would disguise himself to go meet with these psychics to figure out what yeah. their tricks were ahead of time. And then he would he throw off the wig. I'm Houdini! <laughs> <laughs> this guy had a flair for the dramatic, and I would love to see one of these unveilings. Oh, you know? God.
4: Oh, and and then he
3: would send an assistant ahead of him. After that started started not working, <laughs> so she could scope things out and and get the story and bring it back to him. And he would always invite the psychics to his shows. And then he would, you know, exploit them right in front of the. He'd haul them into the show unknowingly, explaining that his assistant had you know gone to them and. He was he was really good. He's a formidable opponent.
2: Yes, he was. In fact, he was on. He was a member of the Scientific American committee that offered a twenty five hundred dollar cash prize.
3: Yeah, it eventually got up to five thousand. dollars It got up to yeah. five
2: grand. And uh, one of the leading contenders was Marjorie, Marjorie the Boston, Boston. medium. <laughs> and uh, like Sharon Sting, she just went by Marjorie. <laughs> you know, he went to her seances and said, "Oh, okay. Here, here's how you can play the trumpet with your feet." even more effectively. <laughs> <You know? laughs> well, well said. And How then, are you blowing through I it? I said it... good day. <laughs> <laughs> and, then, and then finally he said, hey, why don't you come up on stage and do this in front of an audience? Well, Marjorie would not do that. Mm-hmm. So then Houdini said, well, if, you, if you, he went on stage anyways and just said, well, this is what it would be like and I actually did this really great. So then it was voted down. At first, the Scientific American Commission was going to give her the money. They were going to give
3: her the money. This is where the Scientific American kind of had a little bit of a warble. (laughs)
5: Yeah, They they weren't exactly being scientific. The needle came right (laughs) up off the record. It did come off the record. And
3: and, and he was doggedly determined to just hold. I mean, this is a guy who holds a grudge. And I, I, I swear that had he not been of the personality he is, they would have just given her the money and moved on. Right. But but he stuck with it. And apparently she had this really long neck, which allowed her to do a lot of things with her head uh, because they would bind her. You know, he would bind her legs. And and when Houdini ties you up, you're not getting out of it. So he would bind her up and then and then have her, you know, try to do the thing. Right. Well, and then, you know, one thing we forgot to totally mention leading up to this is his relationship with Arthur Conan Doyle.
2: That's Sir, Arthur,
3: yeah, Conan Sir Doyle. Arthur
2: Conan Doyle, because th- this is to me like what I consider a very, very tragic story.
3: Right. you got this brilliant author of all the Sherlock Holmes novels,
2: which which I, I adore. Mm-hmm. I mean, th- those th- those mm-hmm. stories were some of my favorite stories as a kid. And in fact, the um, Granada television versions that have uh, Jeremy Brett as Sherlock Holmes, which is still shown on our local public television. I still record them every week and just love them to death i mean i don't I don't think there's there's ever been a better portrayal of Sherlock Holmes you know before and after Reichenbach falls what is, is this Robert show. Downey Jr <laughs> Oh God, don't not okay, get me started. We shall on that. not speak of that <sighs> <clears throat> anyways, you know he really crapped up this year with uh well first Sherlock Holmes and then you know. Iron Man 2. I
3: enjoyed Iron Man 2, but that's because I'm a slavish, you know, fan boy.
2: Well, he killed Captain America. No.
3: <laughs> you know, when we get to that, we'll get to that. He hasn't yet. But yeah, no, the, the I'm movie. I'm sorry, I
2: paused dramatically to finish my movie.
3: That movie wasn't great. but But Arthur Conan Doyle had a wife, Lady Doyle. Yes. Who was a spiritualist. And oh. and so it was
2: actually Arthur Conan Doyle became interested in spiritualism yes. uh, way back in the eighteen eighties during the first wave of it. Mm-hmm. So this it had been a long time thing for him. And but but this never showed up in Sherlock Holmes. No, that's what's so amazing about it. Because if you read yeah. these stories and you read the character of Sherlock Holmes, you know, taking this this scientific investigation. Mm-hmm. I mean, he was talking about things that were on the just the very cutting edge of criminal detection. And putting that all together into this, yeah, pretty eccentric kind of character, but but these are all very pragmatic, very logical <laughs> ways of solving a, a very a mysterious crime. Mm-hmm. And then here's this guy who's, but he's so moved by grief because their son, uh, who was in the RFC, was right. killed during the First World War. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. when Houdini and Arthur Conan Doyle first met, Conan Doyle thought... He might introduce him to spiritualism, and this would be good. In fact—
3: Well, because he was paranormal himself.
2: Yes. There's no way anyone
3: could do what Houdini did except by turning himself into a vapor. Right. And escaping from the Chinese water torture.
2: Doyle did think he was, in fact, supernatural. A la Hellboy. (laughs) He was blocking other mediums and and debunking them and using that method and so forth. And that's what's so hard, to try to keep those two images in your head of Mm -hmm. of the same person.
3: Well, and Lady Doyle did a seance— for Houdini right. to talk to his uh, mother. Right. And she scribbled a note that she was talking from the mother's view and, and put a cross on the note and everything. And, and
2: spoke in perfect English. Perfect English. Which, which she... his, his mother was all Hungarian right. or Yiddish. Right. So And hmm. certainly would not have put a crucifix on. I know. Apparently yeah. the afterlife makes you switch religions and speak different yeah. languages. Uh, almost <sighs> like that South Park episode. Okay, what is the true religion? Anyone? Anyone? <laughs> That's right, Mormonism. Mormonism. <laughs> <laughs> and they have that one group, and they're yay! <laughs> all right, <laughs> they're all wearing little black ties. Well, but- according
4: to Saturday Night Live, it's uh, Lutheranism.
5: Oh yeah. <laughs> well, was, you know, <laughs> uh,
4: it, I think it was uh, John uh, Larekesh. How, how do you say his name? Are you talking the- about John Lovitz? No. No, I think it the guy from Night Court and Don uh, La Car- Oh, Lerrickett, yeah, who's yeah, also on I think Black was Sheep on that Squadron. Skit. Yeah, I was, I was going to say that, dude. Yeah, <laughs> Night Court, Black, Black, Black Sheep Squadron, right? That Which, was well, that's what they called thing. it when it first oh, okay. came out.
2: Then it became Black Sheep Squadron, and then they got the disco chicks in there who were Pappy's lambs. Pappy's lambs. That's when the show was augering in huge.
3: <laughs> yeah, they were jumping sharks. Tor and uh-huh.
2: I, we we. Sp- we spent we spent a whole day one day just watching this marathon of Black yeah. Sheep
4: Squatters. The as I explained to one of my friends back in the seventies, I stopped watching the Six Million Dollar Man so I could watch Baba Black Sheep. What? Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> but there was
3: Bigfoot in a volcano. Oh,
4: the Bigfoot! Episode. Are you kidding it, me? It was, oh, are we w- going to go there? It was a very hard decision <laughs> yeah, because no I mean, kidding. there was we didn't have a VCR. It was one or the other. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, that's, you, you had you, to yeah. pick. He didn't have two TVs. He didn't have two TVs. He didn't put them next to each no, you other.
2: He couldn't do that Elvis yeah.
5: shit. Yeah, <laughs> the only Elvis
2: had two TVs. I got a TV in every room, man. They're even color. Wow. That's what the Beatles, when they first met Elvis, they said they saw the most amazing thing they've ever seen, a TV remote. Because <laughs> he was, like, one of the first to have it. Because he was recording for RCA, and, of course, you know, he always got their state-of-the-art... Remember those TVs that were in, like, the huge wooden consoles? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 So he had a remote. It was probably, like, you know, two buttons. Mm-hmm. But, again, I believe we digress. I believe we get digressed. Yeah. A little bit there. <laughs>
5: <laughs> so, anyway,
2: so, so, anyways, this this became... Oh, he was infuriated
3: by yes. Lady Doyle. Yes, and did he kept it to himself? But Arthur Conan Doyle and Houdini fought about this. Yes, he didn't, you know, and very publicly. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, in the papers they lifelong. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. from from that point on, it was it was pretty public,
2: and and that, that that's very sad in a lot of ways because, like I say, when you 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 have the very real dichotomy with Sherlock Holmes and then this this spiritualism, Arthur Conan Doyle's career, uh he. Did not do well later in life because, you know, the whole thing about the fairy pictures and everything, you know, which, you know, turned out to be fake and that was all kind of wrapped up in the same thing. And, you know, people were starting to get to this point where they're saying, yes, we do have all these great inventions, which seems to be more based on science Science. (laughs) (laughs) as opposed to contacting the dead. Right, right. Yeah. Yeah,
3: yeah. Well, so yeah, you know, the one thing about that is he ended up testifying before Congress about you know spiritualists, yes. uh, and in a way, they do have a First Amendment right to exist and be there. You know, so mm-hmm. you, you can't go so far to annihilate them and and you know infringe on free speech. But you know, in his testimony, they were they questioned if if what he did was paranormal. And he, he just basically said, I do tricks that people can't figure out. Right.
2: They're tricks. I you suppose know? you could call that mm-hmm. magic of a sort. Exactly. But, but
3: then yeah. he also went on record calling uh, psychics and, and spiritualists mental degenerates.
5: <laughs> uh- <laughs> so, I mean,
3: line was in the sand there. You know? Yeah. 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 It's, it's the same thing with people who do this to this day, this cold cold reading, you know, where you you pick your mark. I mean— James Randi has exposed these people. I mean, I think that's probably where James Randi came up with the idea for his, you know, million dollar challenge. Oh, I'm, of psychics. I'm sure you're and right. It's sure. great that those people are out there. It's absolutely wonderful. You know, I'm knocking on wood and hoping that James Randi's health stays excellent. Uh, but
2: yeah. So we should get to Harry Houdini's death. He died at age 52 in 1926 mm-hmm. of peritonitis uh, and,
3: and conspiracy theories. And conspiracy theories. The spiritualists
2: <laughs> did kill him. Yeah, because they they were predicting his death. Yes. Of, you know, this like kind of violent death. And it's uh, like, well... Yeah. I don't know if maybe. it'd be going out of a limb that a guy that hangs himself upside down in a straight jacket from a crane in a high wind <laughs> would so definitely that's... die of something unusual. Yeah, not yeah. really a... Yeah. Kind what of a, a... Hard yeah. bet there. Yeah. Thanks a panel, That's called easy chat. money. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> but,
3: yeah, yeah. So, I, I think there's conspiracy theories there that people think that spiritualists had him killed. But... Really, what it what it boils down to, basically, the basic story is that he was at an event. He was relaxing. There were some guys from the local college, right? Young, cocky local college guys. That's right. And, and go ahead.
4: Well, the one of the tricks that Houdini did through the years yep. was uh, he claimed that he could take a punch from anybody, right? But of course, and he could. Yeah. Well, he was. Well, anybody he, can.
3: It's just how you react afterwards. It's like a. Yeah, it's not the jump off the building that hurts you. It's the sharp stop at the bottom.
2: Well, that's right. Yeah, yeah. That's and, right. But, I'm sorry. I was, I was, <laughs> I was somewhere. I was elsewhere
4: in the studio. <laughs> but you know, when you do get punched, you have to uh, you know tighten up your muscles and you know be prepared right. to take it. And when one of these college guys. Punched Houdini Well here's the thing he, he, was, he was laying he was down
3: a, Relaxing He was like you know, yeah. he, He's like I, I heard you can take him He's like sure And he was getting up And yeah. the guy just
2: nailed him Nailed like him Like halfway through And vo- actually more than once
3: Right right And then he went Bam 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 Bam, bam. It's like and, and he was just not ready for it Yeah right. um, and Oh yeah and he was fine. The thing is, there's speculation because of how uh, appendicitis progresses. There's speculation that maybe it was, his appendix was inflamed already. Yes. And that maybe the punches mm-hmm. just were the blow that were going to make it happen. And, and his chances would, would have been much improved had he been able to get medical attention early. But he didn't recognize it. He, what he realized is after this happened, he was in a lot of pain. And, and it just didn't go away. You know, and that's the thing is you Mm -hmm. get caught off guard like that and you're like, bam, 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 bam. It's like, oh, okay, great. We're done. Bye bye. You know, and
4: yeah. So uh, maybe he just thought he, you know, damaged some muscles or something. Well, that's what he that's what he
3: said to uh, I'm not not sure if it was best, Mm -hmm. but he said, you know, this guy just punched me. and I'm still not feeling better about it. And. Right. And then he was spiking a fever,
2: 104. Yeah, fever of wow. 104. I mean, you're just not moving fast when you got that kind of fever, right?
3: And right? I heard quotes yeah. about that show, and this is the show where Tony Curtis died
2: in the Chinese water torture, or
3: whatever. I think that's what they were playing on. Is as...
2: well, actually, in that one, he, okay, yeah, yeah, he took the punch from he... the student, but then he like turns around before he goes into the torture cell, the Chinese water torture right. cell, and he like bumps into a prop or something on his side, and he's like, oh. <laughs> You know and then he, he basically drowns from because he's you know in pain, of course, which is totally wow. not true. So, yes, he had been suffering for well, days prior. He
3: got on the train, he goes to the next show, right? And he's not feeling good, and he's like, I'll do the show. The people paid money, I'm gonna do the show, and then I'll go to the doctor. And he halfway, 104 fever, he like faints halfway through the show, right? They revive him. He gets up, finishes the show. Right.
4: <laughs> show him
2: into the end.
3: Yeah, and, and there's one guy, I remember two quotes. There's a guy who'd seen the show like eight times and said, from the beginning, there's something wrong. There's something off. This isn't the Houdini that I know. And then another guy who'd never seen Houdini was like, this is a pretty good show.
5: <laughs> right.
3: <Wow. laughs> you know, so, yeah, show him into the, to the very bitter end. But he ended up going to the doctor and – getting diagnosed getting treated and it's just it was just too little too late mm-hmm. oh mean, yeah horrible mm-hmm. horrible death
2: you know tori you've been mentioning the um houdini museum in appleton the bulk of his collection actually uh was housed there until 2004 and that's really. when it the was, big auction right yeah it was auctioned off in las vegas so then it went to parts unknown yeah but,
3: I, I think i think a lot uh, of it went to copperfield i know that yeah. he was at that auction and, and- Teller got some good stuff. Teller got a bunch. Wow. Yeah.
4: Yeah. Yeah. They still had some artifacts there, but it didn't seem like they
3: had a lot. Teller, you know, I I don't know where I saw it on the web or online or something. Teller got a letter from Houdini to I think Hardin or Dash, I think uh, right after his mother died, mm-hmm. like this really personal letter, and Teller got it, and it's like a real real interesting side of Houdini. But yeah, yeah, there's a lot of great things in that uh, in that auction. But you know, uh, Houdini wanted all his things destroyed upon his death. Right. And he made everyone promise they would destroy everything upon his death. Hardini's like, yeah, sure, I'll do it. (laughs) Sure. The great (laughs) Hardine. And so yeah, it it, and there was a protege of Hardine that that kept it and things were yeah, kept. So which is great and wonderful. So don't destroy the day the clown cried, Jerry Lewis.
2: Yeah. <laughs> That's right. Okay. I got it. Now, you, since you brought that up. I shouldn't up, have yeah. said anything. We're so close to ending this. <laughs> We're in, okay. So, of course, it was Labor Day, and uh, I watched Jerry. And you have to really kind of watch him uh, because, or watch. Mainly, the show c- cuts away to the local spots a lot. And then when you go to Las Vegas, Mm -hmm. and it doesn't have Ed McMahon anymore, so that really blows. And so, you know, Jerry, you pretty much have to watch him on Labor Day to try to get a glimpse of him. So his hair is mostly gray now. Mm -hmm. Um, It's not quite as oily as it was. The steroid treatment he's taken seems to be working better, so he's not, you know, as bloated. Right, right. He is
3: still bloated, but, yeah, not as much.
2: But. I managed to catch it right at the key moment when he sang the song, They Will Never Walk Alone. Oh my God. He was just working it. He was, I mean, that's what I watched the Labor Day telephone wow. for. I was like, they will never. <laughs> Give me a moment. Ever. <laughs> Wait, the knockus. It's right yeah, here. The, the oh my God. The lounge is just so. Oh, wow. geez.
3: It just rocked. You know, the, the Viking Princess and I watched the Naughty Professor this week
2: all is a classic oh my
3: god i mean this movie was very weird uh i hadn't seen buddy love i hadn't seen buddy love in a while (laughs) she loved it she loved it even though it's just so weird uh you know jekyll and hyde story basically but yeah it is yeah yeah, very very strange but he's he's on fire as his horrible you know she needed to see that because of the professor in the simpsons you know right you need to see the nutty professor if you're gonna to, 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 really to know truly he's route.
4: making fun of. Right, yeah, right, yeah. Get off the, the cultural reference. Alrighty. <laughs> well, uh, a listener recently sent us an email at feedback at com. Right. Uh, well, there's, I guess, some little bit where... Yeah. Uh, I'd seen it. I'd seen it already.
3: Oh, yeah. I posted it to facebook.com slash tank.riot. Oh, yeah. I okay. did because... Because Jerry Lewis went out on a limb there and said that uh, I would
2: I would smack Lindsay Lohan in the face. <laughs> I think it's safe to say that Jerry is like a real dyed-in-the-wool misogynist. Definitely. Yeah.
3: But, but then he finished yeah. out the comment by saying, and then be arrested for abusing a woman. And then yeah. I'd put her over my knee and smack her. You know, <laughs> I mean, he was just but, but then he yeah. finished it out even more by saying these girls are crying out for help. They need help. They're not ready to deal with this <laughs> stuff. It's, it was it was classic. <laughs>
2: you awesome, Jerry Lewis. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> You're crazy, Jerry Lewis. You're crazy. Well, he made that comment, I think it was about 10 years ago, too, where he said that uh, women can't really be comedians. I'm sorry. Because they're just not really funny.
3: Jerry Lewis, Inside Edition, magic. You just got to get Jerry Lewis on Inside Edition. Jerry, say some crazy shit
5: right now. Well, you just got to put a mic under his nose and
3: he'll do that. I know. You got to tell him that this is a very important interview, Jerry. Okay. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Okay.
2: Anyway. (laughs) Back to Houdini. Back to Houdini. So So,
3: he and Bess had this secret uh, thing. Right.
2: There was a, a secret
3: password. And the reason, like Sputnik said, the reason that existed is because... There were spiritualists that were going to—he knew they were going to contact him after his death, you know, through mediums, and, and they were going to try to set him up in a way by making up stuff that Houdini would say. And so they created a special secret code right. uh, so that they could test spiritualists from that point on, and no one could speak for Houdini after death unless they knew the code
2: from right. Bess. That's right, and, and Bess wow. held—because Houdini died on Halloween in 1926, October Whoa. 31st. So Which much. is coming up yeah it's coming yeah. up and Bess held a séance every year for 10 years um on halloween to tr- to try to contact um harry and uh what's what's interesting is is that she had kept a burning candle beside a, a photograph of houdini uh since his death and she later said in 1943 that 10 years is long enough to wait for any man. <laughs> but but she did say something, um, I think, very, very touching. When she, the, the last, I, I believe, I don't think all of them were, but I believe the last seance was uh, broadcast on radio.
3: You know, I'm pretty sure they're still doing this to this day. But, yeah, technically it was officially given up on. But... It's it's going to come around. I bet you any money, come Halloween, we're going to hear about a Houdini seance coming up. Oh,
4: yeah. yeah. So Just sure some. Right.
3: Well, yeah. I, I know that Penn and Teller have done it a couple of times. And oh, it's sure. Just, it's just what they do.
2: So, okay, at the 36th yeah. uh, seance, uh, she said, Houdini did not come through. My last hope is gone. I do not believe that Houdini can come back to me or to anyone. The Houdini shrine has burned for 10 years. I now reverently turn out the light. It is finished. Good night, Harry. And she blew out the candle. So, I mean, that's pretty cool. That's cool. That's very cool. So, I, how cool yeah. would it have been? And to what was their secret code? We've yeah. talked about this. It in was previous... cocksucker. No. <laughs> <laughs> and every time I say that.
3: I think we said that in like two or three previous episodes. He <laughs> <laughs> I mean, really that's... wasn't. Yeah, yeah. It was, it was Rosebud. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah. <laughs> Line in Google. Line in
5: Google.
3: <laughs> Try to say that fast. I think it was Roosevelt Believe, but, uh, you know, she she told people later on what the code was, and then spiritualists were like, la, 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 this is the code, you know, so, yeah, <laughs> yeah okay. I knew it all along. It shit's out of the bag. You just yeah. asked me. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I
2: did that 10 years ago. <laughs> I knew all about Pearl Harbor on December 8th. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Uh so this this is an interesting uh note in uh two thousand seven, uh Houdini's great nephew, uh George Hardeen, uh wanted to have uh, Houdini's body ex, ex- uh, because exhumed because they thought uh he there was evidence that he was poisoned by spiritualists. <laughs> so that's
3: just a yeah. pub- that's showmanship. That's a publicity stunt. Yeah. I don't think yeah. they ever went through with it or, or went very far at all. Right. I mean, of course there's, the- not, there's nothing you can do with peritonitis in those days, really. No. Once once it's in the cavity, you really can't fight it back. No. You can try. And he knew it was over. Mm-hmm. He was like, look, I'm tired of fighting. Right. It's over. I, I can't.
2: I mean, you didn't have penicillin. Oh, yeah. yeah.
3: I mean, it's it's true gut rot. I mean, yeah. we're not talking Mickey's oh. here. No. <laughs> <laughs> Although
2: that'll do it the same that'll way. That'll do it the same way. Go ahead.
3: Punch <laughs> me as so hard as you can.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Let's have a punching contest, later <laughs> So uh, that I think is is the life and times of Harry Houdini, a
3: truly great showman, a yes. truly wonderful magician, and and the guy who really put American magicians on the map mm-hmm. and and gave it a home in a new world.
2: And that home is Appleton,
3: Wisconsin. Appleton, Wisconsin.
2: <laughs> so uh, we encourage you to. Learn as much as you can about Harry Houdini, a fascinating individual in any period of time.
3: Email us about everything we missed and everything we got wrong. Feedback at (laughs)
2: tankriot.com. Mailbag fills up quite often. That's right.
3: Yeah.
4: Yep. Hit the website. We got our uh, Folding at Home team, the uh, SETI at Home team. Uh, Just like thank everyone for uh, sending Tank Riot donations uh, using the little donate button on the website. Thanks yeah, to Only so, for the really good iTunes review, too. iTunes
3: reviews yeah. are fun. Give us some stars or or tell us how you really feel, because it's That's pretty right. fun.
2: Yeah, yep. we, do, we do appreciate that. We do. And, uh, of course, coming up next is five years, 100th episode.
3: I think we're going to record it on the date of our first episode,
4: October. I don't know. I forget. Whatever day it was. <laughs> I, <laughs> Was wasn't it the date of let's just do let's just do a sand. <laughs> we're gonna go back in time.
3: This and, episode's and
4: gonna be all about we're going to go join Victor, Sputnik, and Tor five years ago. And the six of us
5: yeah. <laughs> are going to record a I don't put, know if I can be in that room. To put right what, 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 what's wrong. We'll put a stop to this once and for all. Quantum creep. <laughs> exactly.
3: Just get in the box and sit still for a half an hour and you'll be back in time. <laughs> Work toward the light. <laughs> Well, gentlemen, we really should go to that mail mailbag. Mailbag. Mailbag.
4: Mailbag. My name's Me and I like mailbag. Mailbag. Tank right does have a P.O. Box. And we would like to thank Philip, <laughs> who sent us a, uh, two Daniel Suarez books that look really interesting. Yeah, I've,
3: I've heard of Demon or Damon, however you want to pronounce it. Uh, the other one is Freedom TM. These are fantastic.
4: Yeah, we're really looking forward to. Yeah, they they look like excellent books. So thank you very much. We also received uh, something from the Fifth Beetle, which we will be looking into. And um... it is a it is a movie called
3: Crazy Rulers of the World, and I will reserve comment until we've seen oh, it. Looking That's very right. forward to that. I'm looking yes. forward to having my head explode from the conspiracy. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. <laughs> thank you very so, much for that.
4: Yes, the fifth Beatle, by the way, is Brian from Cinema Suicide, long-time listener, and we appreciate his contribution.
3: Yes. And we also had another entry into our artistic license page, and this is by Jeremy Couturier. Uh, This is a beautiful, beautiful image of how we actually look. (laughs) Yes.
2: (laughs) So, it's amazing. We could not be happier with this. This is just yeah. fantastic. Thank not you only so did much much he not
3: only did he draw us in our actual image, but he uh, put it in comic book cover form. Oh. which is oh. a beautiful war against douchery <laughs> that is unbelievable <laughs> in scope and depth.
2: It is fantastic. I Thank that's so much. Pretty
3: much all I have to say about it because we're going to take images from the artistic license page and try to put them into the cafe. Uh, press tank riot px yeah so that you can uh, uh this this image is on on the artistic license page for your viewing pleasure that's right but uh i insist that we sell these in our px so that i can get t-shirts and coffee mugs myself
4: that's right yeah because this i love beautiful. how i
3: look wearing my helmet playing the theremin against
2: douchery the cosmonaut <laughs> un- uniform just works for me on so many levels so and tours yeah. is an onion ghost I'm, router he's a like carrot man riding
3: right a flaming, <laughs> flaming recumbent from, he's a flaming, <laughs> flaming recumbent bike yes <laughs> it's tor it's onion awesome. router with sausage links for a chain <laughs> oh, I, yeah. it, it's unbelievable it's indescribable it is tank riot
4: yeah i find something new on this <laughs> uh is. piece every time i look at it, it yes. it's a uh, great artwork we have um, the best listeners i swear we do absolutely we do. <laughs> And yeah, what we've been getting from this is the third uh, entry into the artistic license page, and they're all awesome. So go ahead and check that out.
3: They're fantastic. We, we'll be adding more to the Tank Riot PX as we can. There's some issues with room, and, and we're going to try to fit fit more of uh, Chris Judge's work in there as well. The right. beautiful tank image yep. that we yep. just yes, love. Yeah, that's you know, right. We're, yes. we're working we're on working getting on
4: expanding that. Yep, we got to get the high def version of the images and stuff. So. Oh, yeah. By all means. So if you're interested
3: in posters and things like, like that, we are accepting donations, which will help go to the Tank Ride PX so that we can offer these beautiful, beautiful
2: images. Yes. Yes. So thank you very much. And good evening from Tank Ride. You know, Torrid mentioned earlier
3: that we should get Nina 99 Red Balloons as our outro music. I found this brilliant researcher from the 80s who has studied some German and found a translation that is much more authentic than the than the original translation. His name is Tim Cavanaugh, and you can find this song and more songs by him. I'm a huge fan. I love the song, and I want to thank Tim very much for letting us play it. Uh, he's going to be appearing, actually, coming up October 15th and 16th in Cedar Rapids, a comedy club at the clarion hotel i don't know why that would be because this is serious music here and then in november november 12th he's going to be in bay city michigan so this this guy okay. true artist true artist this is the kind of music that really is, is deep and thoughtful timcav.com check out more this is a brilliant translation of 99 red balloons thank you tim
1: uh, this is a song that was based on a uh, a song that came out in the in the mid 80s by Nana called 99 Red Balloons, and oh, uh, sure. you know, I heard the German version of that song first, uh, and I really liked what she was singing. Then I heard the English translation. I was really surprised to find that what she's singing in German, what she's singing in English are not even close. I uh-huh. mean, I took nearly a semester of German in school, so I know a little something uh-huh. about the language. <laughs> wow. So I've come up with a new English translation of 99 Balloons. Right. Now, now there's, a, there's a couple of lines in here that I'm not real sure about. They don't seem to translate that cleanly but I thought I'd share it with you guys I'm today. I'm ready to hear Here it. we go. All right. Hello, Bobby, my old friend. It's good to see you once again. How's your mother? How's your aunt? How's your father's skin-diving suit? It's one of the lines I'm not real sure about. Mm-hmm. I've got something you should see. Back at my place, come with me. I've got some brand-new furnishings. Plus 99 dead baboons 99 dead baboons Sitting in my living room Not too functional it seems But quite a conversation piece This one's Jake, that one's Dinah There's Big Ned in my recliner No, it's not a lazy boy Can't you see it's a dead baboon? Dead baboons Everybody! Dead 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 baboons! Dead babbles, dead babbles How they got here, I'm not sure Woke up one day, there they were Luckily, I've got a lease Allowing pets if they're deceased I'm just thankful they're not apes Cause apes would clash with the drapes No more napkins at my parties Wipe your hands on a dead babble Dead babbles, everybody! Dead babbles! Dead baboons! Dead, dead baboons! Dead baboons are lots of fun. Playing water balloons, I've always won. You can keep your dead giraffes and swine. I'll take dead baboons every time. There's just one problem I have now. That's finding Purina dead baboon chow. <laughs> <laughs> but what a happy snorkeling device. That's the other line I'm not real sure about. With ninety-nine dead baboons. Dead, dead baboons. baboons. Everybody. Dead, dead, baboons. Baboons. dead baboons. Dead baboons. Dead baboons. Woo-hoo. <laughs> ninety-nine dead baboons.
4: <laughs> 99 dead baboons.
1: Dead backup singers. I
4: love, I, know. I love that. You know, though, the one thing that Harry Houdini never escaped from was being frozen in carbonite.
2: You know, that's true. It's pretty hard to get out of that shit. I love yeah. you, Houdini.
3: Yeah. I know. <laughs> <laughs>